Experience a full mind, body, and spirit approach to living your best life. Learn how to achieve optimal health, wealth, and happiness. This is your journey to wellness and abundance. You are listening to Mind Over Matters with your host, Dr. Amy harris Nuon of the Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness. Hey, hello everyone. I'm Dr. Amy harris Nuon, your host. I'm a double board certified integrative and interventional clinical psychologist with a postgraduate specialization in functional medicine. I'm also a certified wellness instructor, best-selling author and speaker, as well as the director for the Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness located in Bloomingdale, Illinois. Hey, as you know, the purpose of the show is to get you thinking about how powerful your mind is and what you can do right now to change your life for the better. So this show, Mind Over Matters, is going to challenge you to think differently about how your health can be improved, the healthier relationships, your general financial health, all those significant areas of your life. They can all be dramatically improved by taking a more holistic approach to your life. So my goal is to educate and empower you to live a life by design, life on purpose and with passion and of course, always positive results. So welcome to the show this morning. I want to start by asking, do you consider yourself to be risk averse or do you consider yourself to be a risk taker? You know, it's been my experience that most people are afraid of taking risks For some, it's reasons that seem to make quote-unquote logical sense, yet sometimes it's because others have just told us that taking risks are just too dangerous. But really, is it bad or dangerous to take risks? You know, I suppose it depends on what the risk is, obviously. You know, we've all heard about the risk-reward ratio and simply stated, it asks, does the potential upside or reward outweigh the potential risk or loss? So here's the thing, risk taking is more than just ignoring fears or your better judgment. As author Emily Shaldock explains in the June edition of Experience Life magazine, it's about the intentional measured risks that can help us cultivate courage as well as confidence and that can also add quality to our lives in so many different areas, right? Isn't that what this show is about, adding quality to your life in so many different areas? So on today's show, we'll talk about the upside of risk. We'll talk about how to increase your risk tolerance and expand your comfort zone, what I call your growth zone, you know, uh, and how to measure risk as well as ways that you can learn to overcome the fear of failure because that's really what gets in the way of most people taking risks is their fear of failure. So welcome to the show titled, Is It Worth the Risk? Again, I want to thank author Emily Sheldock for her work that is titled, What's the Risk? So let's dive right in because honestly, risk is one of my favorite subjects and the truth is most people are risk averse. So the author starts by saying, as a professional bike racer, I love taking risks and not just any risks, leap off a cliff type risks. I approached big races, technical descents and dangerous jumps by ignoring my fear. Instead, I often listen to the voices around me urging me on. Taking extreme risks led me to national titles and a sense of invincibility. Even outside of biking, I charged into whitewater rafting and backcountry skied and avalanche terrain. I was surrounded by people who leaned into the adrenaline, the author says. We had varying degrees of concern about the real dangers. Many of my peers took even greater risks than I did, which in my mind validated the decisions I was making. My mindset normalized dangerous behaviors. In the risk-oriented environment, my brain and body adapted. I bent to the expectations, the author says. Then, in 2018, I crashed in three races. The wipeouts culminated in a gnarly cumulative concussion. Expecting the effects to fade in a week without you know, any significant complications or maybe just a blip in my competitive season, I fell into the familiar approach of muscling my way through the injury. But as weeks of recovery accumulated, I begrudgingly accepted that healing would not be quick or linear. I spent the next eight months taking two healing steps forward, one painful step back. In retrospect, I'm thankful for those months. I was forced to slow down. My risky whirlwind lifestyle was put on hold. I had no choice but to rest, put my phone away, work as little as necessary, and listen to my body. I once believed racing bikes had prepared me for any risk, but when I was forced to listen to my injured body, 
I realized this new challenge required a significantly different and more nuanced type of bravery, one that was very formal and foreign to me, the author says, end quote. So here's the thing. The author goes on to talk about the upside of risk. And remember when I opened the show, I said we were going to talk about the upside of risk because the truth is anything in life that's worthy of you, that's worthwhile in life, is going to require some risk. So you have to get good at understanding the risk-reward ratio. So let's talk about the upside of risk. Risk is a loaded word, the author says. In some cases, it carries negative connotations. Financial risk, health risk, risk of injury. In other instances, it's flush with possibility, adventure, the promise of discovering something new. Or it can be empowering, such as when we bravely stand up for ourselves or others when people around us are silent. I'm just going to pause there and ask you to reflect, when was the last time you took a risk? You know, I can, I can honestly say the last time I took a risk was yesterday. You know, I was feeling pretty vulnerable and I had, you know, kind of way whether or not I wanted to, you know, make, you know, that vulnerable disclosure. It was, it was an emotional risk, but I'm sure as heck glad I, I, I took the risk because it put me in a position of clarifying some communication and the reward, the upside was that not only did I get some clarity, uh, I got support for what I was thinking and what I was feeling. And again, the author says risk can come in many types. Financial risk, we're certainly seeing that everywhere today, right? Uh, especially with, with what's going on in the economy, what's going on in the broader global economy. We're certainly still seeing people you know, at risk for infection, whether it's COVID, whether it's the flu, whether it's seasonal allergies. I mean, we're seeing that all around us too. The angst and the anxiety is everywhere. But the truth is, unless you're willing to take some risks in life, you are going to live probably a very average, unassuming, mediocre life. I'm just going to be frank about it. So I'm going to encourage you right now before we go on to start considering weighing what the upside of taking risks are for you specifically. And I'm going to invite you right now, you know, again, just to take a, a short inventory of, of, you know, where you've not been taking risks in your life and what that's done. So, all right, so let's get back to the article. The risk you know, reward ratio is undeniable, but that's going to be different for all of us. So the author says risk is anything that includes going beyond your comfort zone and has potential dangers, says Grant Holicky, a cycling and swim coach based in Boulder, Colorado. Quote, taking risks pushes us to the edge of what we know. And without risk, we can't really grow, end quote. And that's as you know, that's why I call it, you know, the growth zone. Unless you're getting uncomfortable and taking risks, whether it's an emotional risk, financial risk, you know, um, a physical risk, a mental risk, an intellectual risk, you're never going to grow, right? And there's only two directions in life. We're either moving forward or we're moving backwards. That's in our physical health as well as our mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Because life doesn't stand still. It's either passing us by or moving forward. So the author goes on to say there are negative and positive risks, but it's worth noting that a positive risk may not have a good or desirable outcome, and a negative risk may not have a bad or dangerous outcome. In fact, the outcome may be irrelevant. Positive and negative describe the intention and consideration behind an action, not its eventual success or failure. So there it is. Risk-reward. You know, I like the way the author put it. She said, you know, positive and negative describe the intention and consideration behind an action, not its eventual success or failure. So when we come back from the break, I absolutely want to spend more time talking about the upside risk because it's going to help give you confidence and courage to start taking more risks in your own life. So I want to thank you for tuning in. I'm Dr. Amy Harris. No one, you're listening to Mind Over Matters. You're listening to our show. Is it worth the risk? you or a loved one suffer from depression and medications just aren't working, or the debilitating side effects associated with most antidepressants make them impossible to take, we can help. At the Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness, we offer transcranial magnetic stimulation, or TMS. 
PMS is a safe and effective drug-free treatment option that can dramatically improve your quality of life. In fact, the majority of our clients experience a significant improvement in mood, with many achieving complete remission. TMS uses MRI technology to gently stimulate areas of the brain that are underactive in people suffering from depression. TMS is FDA approved for the treatment of depression and has also been shown to be effective in treating other mood disorders like OCD, PTSD, and anxiety. TMS therapy is covered by most insurance companies, including Medicare. If medications aren't working for you now, chances are they never will. Let us help. Call the Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness at 630-980-1400 for an immediate consultation. That's 630-980-1400. Or visit us online at thecifhw.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Harris. Nuan, you're listening to our show titled, Is It Worth the Risk? If you've missed any of the show, you can check out a rebroadcast on this great station, or you can check out a rebroadcast on our Facebook page. It's facebook.com forward slash the C-I-F-H-W, or you can check out a rebroadcast on our website. That website address is the C-I-F-H-W. Again, the CIFHW.com. If you've got questions, comments, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email directly. That email address is health and wellness, all spelled out health and wellness at the CIFHW.com. I also want to encourage you to like us and follow us on our social media, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We're trying to really, really up the quality of our posts and an engagement. And I want to thank you all for following us, liking us, and sharing us. Also want to encourage you to check out my new book, Life Works, an Integrative Approach to Health and Happiness. Thanks to all of you. It uh, has become a number one bestseller in several categories. It is very, very practical, and it literally lays out a plan of how you can increase health, wealth, happiness in your life from a very practical point of view. It also gives some very important insights into helping you advocate for your health and wellness as well. So again, uh, appreciate all the support from my book. The proceeds are going to uh, support various charities, including Western DuPage Special Recreation Association. So check it out on Amazon. It's in paperback and on uh, you know uh, Kindle. Life works an integrative approach to health and happiness. All right, so let's get back to increasing your health and happiness by getting you comfortable with taking more risks. So in reviewing an article by Emily Sheldock uh, about risks, the author is helping us understand that there are actually upsides of risk. And I will tell you, my life would not be what it is today without taking risks, okay? Just so you know, no risk, no reward, okay? Um, uh, so the author says positive risk involves considering the benefits and potential dangers, and then acting because the benefits outweigh the concerns, right? Negative risk, she says, on the other hand, involves taking an action without fully considering potential consequences. All right, so I'm just gonna, you know, uh, say that one more time because I think it bears repeating, okay? The author talks about positive risk and negative risk. Positive risk involves considering the benefits as well as the potential dangers and then acting because the benefits outweigh the concerns. Negative risk, on the other hand, involves taking action without fully considering the potential consequences. That's what I would call, you know, uh, some impulsive behavior. You know, oh, what the heck, let's just do it, right? And not realizing the risk to yourself or to others, not taking the time to fully consider that. The author goes on to say positive risk-taking has two chief benefits, according to Natasha Duell, Ph.D., a researcher at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, who studies risky behavior in adolescence. The first is strengthening resilience, learning to recover from, cope with, and grow from failure. The second is building confidence to take future risks. All right, let's just say that again, okay? Um, Because positive risk-taking has two chief benefits. One, strengthening resilience and learning how to recover from, cope with, and grow from failure. The second is building self-confidence to take future risks. That's why it's important to give yourself permission to take risks because without it, you're not going to develop that sense of resiliency. You're not going to learn how to recover from failure. And I'm just going to tell you, failure is not a bad thing, right? That's how we cut our teeth and grow stronger and 
and, and add to our wisdom base, okay? You have to take risks in life if you want to move beyond anything mediocre, okay? So positive risk uh, is, is strengthening resilience and learning how to build self-confidence so that you're in a position to move forward taking future risks. In a 2020 study published in the Journal of Youth and Adolescence, Dr. Duell and her team clarified positive risk-taking is something that benefits the individual's well-being, meaning a person may gain something. Um, they also looked at its potential costs, right? Costs are mild, so there's no threat to health or safety, and it's socially acceptable. Conversely, negative risk-taking is considered dangerous, possibly with severe outcomes or, you know, maybe illegal. Although Dr. Duell's research focuses on young people, these benefits of taking positive risks transcend age. They don't diminish as we get older, experts say. Older people are just less likely to engage in risky behaviors, which I definitely want to talk more about that later. The author says it's important to, quote, stop regarding daring and risk willingness simply as undesirable and uncontrolled behavior patterns, says behavioral analyst Dagfin Moe who's a senior research scientist um, in Norway, quote, daring and risk willingness activate and challenge the brain's capacity to contribute towards learning, coping strategies, and development. And we each view risky behaviors in different ways. And the first step towards understanding it is to break from the belief that it's automatically equals jumping off a cliff. So when people think of risk-taking behaviors, you know, I would say that most people think about, you know, doing something stupid, you know, something like we see on the Jackass, you know, television series or video series on YouTube. And that really, I mean, certainly that's risk taking behavior for some, but for most people, you know, they're not talking about jumping off a cliff or doing something stupid or dangerous. Okay. But here's the thing. The author says, you know, again, we each view risky behavior in different ways. And the first step towards understanding it is to break from the belief that it's automatically something bad. It doesn't have to be a complete adrenaline rush to be pleasurable or beneficial, says paramedic and ski patroller Kim Dalen. You know, one, I, I, I'm just thinking of the risk somebody takes when they ask somebody else out on a date. You're not going to die from that. You know, maybe you you know, if you're new to the dating game, you might, you know, if they say no, you might feel rejected like you want to die. But let's face it, most people aren't taking those adrenaline rush type risks, right? But if you don't take risks, mm, that is the one regret. You know, I'm just going to, you know, pause here and say when researchers study older adults in life, especially adults that are nearing the end stage of their life on, on regrets, the, the most common regret is, is, you know, people will say they regret what they didn't do in life. They almost always say they regret not taking more risks or more chances in life. Okay. Uh, and here's the thing. Life, you know, uh, you can't live life without, you know, avoiding risk. You, you just can't unless you're going to stay in your room all day and, you know, shrivel and die. You have to get open to the idea of taking risk because life is inherently risky writes Kate Sukel in The Art of Risk, The New Science of Courage, Caution, and Chance. She says, making decisions is a cornerstone of adult life, and everyone takes small risks multiple times daily, whether you're deciding what to have for breakfast, debating whether or not to take a new job, or booking a through hike for your next vacation. Risks exist on a spectrum. I took a risk, you know, uh, driving here today, you know, and the risk was driving. Because there's always a risk for accidents, right? The, the risk for accidents is exponentially greater when you're driving a car than when you're flying on an airplane or taking a train, okay? So every day we take what I would call mini risks, okay? Life, I agree, is inherently risky. And without giving yourself permission to move beyond your comfort zone and, and start giving your permission, yourself permission to move into what I call that growth zone, you're going to stay stuck. That's it. I mean, you're going to stay stuck. So stick around. When we come back, we're going to be talking more about what you can do to better understand the upside of risk. And I'll certainly share with you, you know, some of the risks I've taken. You know, many have worked out, many haven't. But I can tell you unequivocally, all of those decisions to take risks have worked out to my benefit in one way or the other, whether it's adding to my knowledge, adding to my wisdom base, adding to my self-confidence, you know, um, adding to my skill set, whatever, whether it worked out the way I wanted to or not, 
all of those decisions to take a risk were beneficial. And I want to help you to understand that taking risks can be very beneficial to you as well. So stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to Mind Over Matters. A complete solution for your joint pain is here and without surgery. The Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness's clinically proven treatments repair and regenerate damage, restoring normal function, even walk out the same day. It's the only treatment center in Illinois offering a one-year guarantee for this procedure. Trust the thousands of patients who got their life back. Call us today or visit thecifhw.com. Welcome back to Mind Over Matters. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Harris. New one, you're listening to today's show titled, Is It Worth the Risk? I want to thank author Emily Schaldack for her work titled, What's the Risk? As it appears in this month's edition of Experience Life magazine. I'm so happy to be bringing this you know, article to you along with some of my very personal risk experiences uh, because I think more than ever, people are stuck in a mode of anxiety. Should I take this risk? Should I go without a mask? Should I fly? Should I take a vacation? Should I apply for that new job? Should I ask for the raise? So I want to put you in a position where you feel comfortable and confident and, and, and even courageous in uh, taking more risks. And if you've missed any of the show, if you missed the front part of the show, you can check out a rebroadcast on Facebook, uh, our website, or certainly the WCPT website, uh, the broadcast station, my producer, Lady B. They all do a great job getting the, the show posted same day. So if you've missed any of the show, you can je- definitely check out a rebroadcast. If you've got questions, about risk or any way that I can help you move into a place where you're more comfortable or confident or increase your wellness, send me an email. That email address is healthandwellness at thecifhw.com. Also, we are taking new patients and clients, 630-980-1400, if we can help you in your wellness journey, whether it's an acute medical situation or maybe you're struggling with something mentally or emotionally, we are accepting new clients and patients. We see people locally, nationally, as well as internationally. So give us a call. Happy to get you set up with a consultation, 630-980-1400. So for some of you, Getting a hold of your mental, emotional, or physical health may feel like a risk in today's day and age. So let's dive back into the show and talk about the inherent risks of life. As, uh, as I said before the break, the author says, life is inherently risky. Making decisions is a cornerstone of adult life, and everyone takes small risks multiple times daily. Again, whether you're deciding what to have for breakfast, whether or not to take a new job, booking a vacation just driving into the office, whatever, it's filled with risks. The author says what all risk has in common is being, quote, a decision or behavior that has significant probability of resulting in a negative outcome, writes author Sukal. But I'm going to say what all risk has in common is being a decision or behavior that has a significant probability of resulting in a different outcome. I don't, I don't agree with the author that it has, you know, significant probability of resulting in a negative outcome because here's the truth. A lot of times risk has a significant probability of resulting in a very positive outcome. Okay. But again, I think the author says this because of the way we're conditioned. Oh, don't do that. Oh, it's so dangerous. Or I like you just the way they are. Don't, don't go changing, you know, within that message is don't change, stay the same. Don't take any risks. Don't grow. Quote, we're all, each and every one of us, risk takers, the author says, because risk taking is part and parcel of everyday decision making. And it's a process, not a trait. All of us have the power within us to use risk to our advantage, the author notes. It's not just the stuff of superheroes and legends. Risk is the key to learning and growth for all of us. And hey, I couldn't have said that better myself, right? Risk is not the stuff of superheroes and legends. Risk is the key to learning and growth for all of us, right? Uh, I once, one of my first mentors, my high school psychology teacher, Dr. Carol Dean, still have great regard for her. She wrote in my yearbook, she said, she said uh, to, to, to the extent, you know, life is about growth. I hope you have and continue to. And I remember at the time, you know, 
uh, I found that so profound, you know, I think the exact quote was the only evidence of life is growth. And I hope you have and continue to. The only evidence of life is growth. And for you, my listener, I hope you are in continuing to grow, right? Because that that's not the thing that superheroes and legends are made of, right? Everybody has a potential to be great and to grow in their confidence and their competence and their skill set. But it's going to require you to give yourself permission to take some more risks. So let's talk about the tides of risk tolerance as the author refers to it. What constitutes a risk is personal. The author says risk tolerance varies among individuals and can even ebb and flow throughout a lifetime. Genes, biological age, life experience, and cultural influences all contribute to our own sense of risk tolerance. So let's start by talking about genes. Interesting to note that in a 2013 study, genetics researcher Cynthia Thompson, PhD, recruited 503 skiers and snowboarders for psychological and genetic tests, as well as to assess their sports-specific risk-taking behavior. She zeroed in on a gene called DRD4, which is involved in the development and function of the brain's dopamine receptors. So dopamine is one of our awesome feel-good receptors, right? She says, a single variation in the coding of this gene had been previously associated with sensation-seeking behaviors, including substance use. Sure enough, participants in Dr. Thompson's study with this DRD4 variant also displayed more risk-taking behavior on the slopes. Yet higher-risk athletes didn't score high on impulsivity, says Dr. Thompson, indicating that their decisions, even ones that could be deemed reckless, were calculated and intentional. Okay, so even though you know uh, genetically our genes, our, our dopamine receptors, you know that's our pleasure-seeking you know uh, drive and pleasure-seeking receptors, they don't automatically set us up for uh, poor risk-taking. Right. And then the author goes on to talk about age as a factor in taking risks. So the author says research has shown that biological age is also a predictor for risk tolerance. Specifically, most people have become more risk averse as they get older. And experts agree that the tipping point is around age 25 when the brain reaches maturity. Interesting. Interesting. I have found that I have been more willing and, and deliberately willing to take more risks the older I get because what I have found is the more risks I give myself permission to take, and they're intentional, they're thoughtful, um, the more risks I give myself permission to, to, to take, the greater my life experiences have been. Okay, um, But our brains do mature around age 25 and there does seem to be a tipping point is what the research shows. Uh, the author goes on to say neuropsychiatrist Daniel Siegel, MD, author of The Developing Mind, explains that adolescents experience a greater willingness to take risks and seek out new things than they did before the age of 12 or will have after their mid-20s. Adolescence is a period of remodeling the brain, he says. You're basically going from being a generalist as a child to being a specialist during adolescence. It's kind of a cool way of talking about developing your brain and your risk tolerance. He says one change occurs in the dopamine reward system of the brain. During adolescence, the baseline levels of dopamine are lower than in childhood and adulthood, but the dopamine release amounts are higher. Quote, one of the major things that releases dopamine is novelty, right? End quote. Siegel explains, which draws adolescents to choices that are, quote, uncertain and potentially dangerous. So seeking out novel experiences, right? Whether it's dyeing your hair orange or green or whatever color you want or, you know, doing what you need to do to help yourself, you know, feel more confident or special or stand out. I endorse all of that stuff, honestly, you know, as long as it's not uh, posing a danger to somebody else. Because you've heard me say, whether it's in risk-taking or whatever, your rights end where someone else's rights begin. So um, in risk-taking, you do need to have you know really good boundaries. Don't push your boundaries and rights on other people. But in adolescence, it's a pretty cool stage of life because you know, we see people trying on all kinds of different personalities, gender identities, clothes, accessories, you name it. It's a really cool experimental time. But 
you don't have to limit your risk-taking behavior, you know, to, you know, engaging in novel behaviors or seeking a novelty effect. Doc says, another change is the development of, quote, the hyper-rational thinking, which highlights the positive aspects of a choice while minimizing the negative. In young brains, excitatory cells are primarily active and inhibitory cells are inactive. And when we come back, we're gonna be talking more about that as it relates to the risk tolerance. Do you or a loved one suffer from depression and medications just aren't working? Or the debilitating side effects associated with most antidepressants make them impossible to take? We can help. At the Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness, we offer transcranial magnetic stimulation, or TMS. TMS is a safe and effective drug-free treatment option that can dramatically improve your quality of life. In fact, the majority of our clients experience a significant improvement in mood, with many achieving complete remission. TMS uses MRI technology to gently stimulate areas of the brain that are underactive in people suffering from depression. TMS is FDA-approved for the treatment of depression and has also been shown to be effective in treating other mood disorders like OCD, PTSD, and anxiety. TMS therapy is covered by most insurance companies, including Medicare. If medications aren't working for you now, chances are they never will. Let us help. Call the Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness at 630-980-1400 for an immediate consultation. That's 630-980-1400. Or visit us online at thecifhw.com. The Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness's clinically proven treatments repair and regenerate damaged tissue, restoring normal function. The procedures were easy, comfortable, and left me feeling pain-free. I can dance, run, and jump again if I want to. Three decades of pain in my back and neck injuries I suffered in active duty. The doctor has me nearly 100% pain-free now, and I never thought that was possible. Trust the thousands who got their life back. Book an appointment today. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Harris. No one, you're listening to Mind Over Matters. Thanks for tuning in to today's show, Is It Worth the Risk? I want to encourage you to listen to a rebroadcast and share the show with other people if you find it helpful. I certainly always appreciate your support. And uh, I want to let you know I am committed to your personal growth and development. And I'm going to encourage you to take some healthy risks that cause you to get uncomfortable and grow. But if you've missed any of the show, you can check out a rebroadcast on this great station. And uh, certainly you can check out a rebroadcast on our Facebook page. It's facebook.com forward slash the CIFHW. And you can check out a rebroadcast on our website. It's the CIFHW.com. And uh, certainly I would welcome your feedback and your emails and your suggestions. If you've got ideas for future shows, I'm totally open to that as well. Um, you can send me an email directly. That email address is healthandwellness at the CIFHW.com. Again, healthandwellness at the CIFHW.com. So we're listening to a show um, that uh, is based on an article written by author Emily Shaldock. She is a, a bike racer, and she talked in the early part of the article about her ability to handle risks and what that brought her to realize as she sustained a serious uh, injury. So there are upsides of risks, right? None of, none of us ever go through life without taking risks, um, but it's important to weigh the risk-reward ratio. You know, be intentional, be considerate in what those risks are, and to understand that everyday life is inherently risky. Whether you're bicycling or walking across the street or asking someone out on a date or deciding to go into business for yourself, life is inherently risky. But here's the thing. No risk, no reward. That's how life it is. No risk, no reward. Little risk, little reward. Big risk, opportunity for big reward. Um, but the article talks about the tides of risk tolerance and research related to adolescence and the dopamine response, the pleasure center in our brain, right? So one of the major things that releases dopamine in adolescence and in all people is novelty, okay? Um, but our brain changes over life, and the authors are citing research shows that there's a tipping point when we get to about age 25 where people tend to become 
more risk averse. Okay. Again, the author says another change is the development of hyper rational thinking. And a lot of that is due to the way we're socialized. Don't do that. You know, just stay at the job you're at. You know, it gives you security. Or why are you going to ask her out? You know, she'll never go out with you. Or what are you thinking going into business for yourself? Oh my gosh, most businesses fail within the first couple of years. So this hyper rational thinking is absolutely influenced by other people's fears. And you're going to have to make a decision to let go of what other people think and start thinking for yourself. So, but again, this hyper-rational thinking, which highlights the positive aspects of choice while minimizing the negative, the author says in young brains, excitatory cells are primarily active and inhibitory cells are inactive, notes neurobiologist Sandra Kuhlman. Excitatory activity is important for learning and development and inhibitory cells help the brain filter information and control behavior. Quote, the inhibitory cells, which she calls the traffic cop cells, don't fully come online until after adolescence, the doctor explains. Experts note that encouraging positive risks for young people can help them to keep taking risks. For people in their late 20s and beyond, taking risks can become harder. But even if you are or have become risk averse, it's never too late to try, says the author. Agreed and amen. That's the only way you're going to grow. So let's talk about life experiences and cultural influences, because the truth is we're all vulnerable to life experiences and cultural influences. And I will tell you, I have had my butt kicked on more occasions than I can count by taking risks. You know, I remember I was really excited back in the first uh, real estate, uh, you know, rage back in 2005, 2006, I decided you know, to learn how to uh, invest in real estate. I wanted to do fix and flips. I wanted to have some long-term rent rentals and, and, you know, maybe even do a couple of complete renovations. And, uh, you know, and they still, still have, you know, one rental property today. Um, that was a huge risk. And I can't tell you how much money I have lost in real estate investing. And at the time they were good investments, but there were things I didn't consider. There were rookie mistakes I've made, but do I regret, you know, all of that because of the aggravation it brought me and the money I've lost and, you know, some friendships I've lost, not for one minute, not for one minute, because it helped me develop a great sense of risk tolerance and the education I got through learning you know, and struggling, you know, through real estate investing, invaluable. You know, it's often what we call the tuition of life, okay? Um, uh, deciding to get a divorce, was that painful? It was excruciating. I'll be completely vulnerable here and take a risk with you right now. That was the most devastating uh, experience in my life, was my divorce. Uh, my husband and I still, and my ex-husband now, still care greatly for each other, but that was excruciating. But I still count it among my top 10 best decisions. Number one best decision, finding a way to get an education. Number two best decision, going into business for myself. Number two, number three best decision, getting that divorce. And not because he was a jerk. He's a really, really great guy. But I was really limited in that relationship. I didn't feel like myself. Now I've got you know a, a, a beautiful wife, a beautiful life. And it's because I decided to take a very intentional, considered risk. And get the divorce. Was it painful? Oh my God, I would never wish that on anybody. Was it one of the best decisions I've ever made? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you have to decide the risk and the reward. Okay. And life experiences and cultural influences influence all of our thinking, right? The author says from birth, we're taught what is considered acceptable risk according to our parents, communities, educators, peers, and the media all of which contribute to our understanding and assessment of dangers and benefits. Traveling to new localities, sustaining an illness, recovering from an injury, starting a family, changing jobs, all of these play a role, okay? So you've got to look at starting to expand your comfort zone, the article says. She says, uh, author Shaldock says, it's likely you've been given well-intentioned advice to get out of your comfort zone. It's also likely, particularly if you're risk averse, that you've ignored that advice. After all, your comfort zone is comfortable. It's a zone of minimal stress and a sense of security. Quote, the comfort zone is a behavioral state within which a person operates in an anxiety neutral position, writes Judith Bardwick, PhD in Danger of the Comfort Zone. 
it's natural to want to operate here. And let me just tell you that comfort zone is hardwired into us. It's related to our sense of safety and security and survival needs. But thank God humanity has taken risks, you know, over the millennia because we would have never evolved. Right. The author says, yet the comfort zone can limit us. Growth requires something called optimal anxiety, a state of slightly heightened stress. Take note of the word slightly here. Too much stress and performance drops off quickly. There's a Goldilocks zone of discomfort, too much or too little discomfort, and you won't really get anywhere. So to expand your comfort zone, you want to seek out the just right amount of discomfort. What does this have to do with risk? Well, a positive risk-taking offers a path towards productive discomfort. Let me say that again. Positive risk-taking offers a path towards productive discomfort. And I will agree, too much anxiety is going to inhibit behavior. Too little anxiety may set you up for some bad decisions. Let me just share with you quickly before we go to break a little uh, about the, what research says on decisions and choices. Um, research shows that there's more than a 99% likelihood of you making the right decision the first time, right? So if you're on the fence, whether it's what color should I paint my office or should I apply for a new job, nine, more than a 99% likelihood that you'll make the right decision the first time. That means giving yourself permission to take a risk. In those, you know, in that less than 1% chance where it's not the best decision, what the research shows is that you've got a 99.7% likelihood of making the right decision the second time, what we call, quote unquote, you know, uh, the course correction, the corrected decision. So know the research shows that, you know, taking risks is really on your side because inherently, you know, if you give yourself permission to take the risk, you know that there's a higher likelihood of a positive outcome. So stick around. You're listening to Mind Over Matters. I'm your host, Dr. Amy harris We'll be right back. you or a loved one suffer from depression and medications just aren't working, or the debilitating side effects associated with most antidepressants make them impossible to take, we can help. At the Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness, we offer transcranial magnetic stimulation, or TMS. TMS is a safe and effective, drug-free treatment option that can dramatically improve your quality of life. In fact, the majority of our clients experience a significant improvement in mood, with many achieving complete remission. TMS uses MRI technology to gently stimulate areas of the brain that are underactive in people suffering from depression. TMS is FDA approved for the treatment of depression and has also been shown to be effective in treating other mood disorders like OCD, PTSD, and anxiety. TMS therapy is covered by most insurance companies, including Medicare. If medications aren't working for you now, chances are they never will. Let us help. Call the Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness at 630-980-1400 for an immediate consultation. That's 630-980-1400. Or visit us online at thecifhw.com. A complete solution for your joint pain is here and without surgery. The Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness's clinically proven treatments repair and regenerate damage restoring normal function, even walk out the same day. It's the only treatment center in Illinois offering a one-year guarantee for this procedure. Trust the thousands of patients who got their life back. Call us today or visit thecifhw.com. Welcome back to Mind Over Matters. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Harris Newon. I wanna ask you, is it worth the risk? Do you consider yourself to be risk averse or are you a risk taker? I'm certainly someone that is open to taking risks. If nothing else, I love the adventure of what that risk is going to bring for me. Um, I don't consider myself to be someone that makes foolish, you know, uh, impulse-driven risk, you know, behaviors, not by any stretch of the imagination, but because I've given myself permission to continue to take risks, my confidence as well as my resiliency has grown over the years. So I love taking risks. I hope the show inspires you to take some more risks too, because, you know, as I said at the opener, it's been my experience that most people are afraid of taking risks. For some, it's because of those logical reasons. For others, it's because we've been conditioned, you know, and uh, in reviewing the author's uh, article, author Emily Shaldock, she talks about the, 
you know, uh, the life experience and the cultural influences, but we have to learn to expand our comfort zones. So here's the thing. What are you going to do to overcome that fear of failure? Because you have to learn to overcome that fear of failure in order to give yourself permission to take more risks. But hey, you don't have to put it all on the line. You can start by taking some small risks. You know, a couple seconds ago, I talked about taking a small risk. I was feeling vulnerable and, you know, I opened up about how I was, you know, feeling emotionally and what I was thinking. And hey, there was a payoff. So you don't have to risk it all in order to you know, overcome your fear of failure, you can start by taking some smaller risks. So the article goes on to say many people avoid taking risks, not because they fear for their physical safety, but because they fear failure, explains psychotherapist Sandra Gaskell. That's because we live in a society that celebrates success and undervalues anything perceived as less than. And let me just tell you right here, success is a relative term. I tell myself and I tell my clients all the time, the success lies in taking action. The success doesn't necessarily lie in the outcome because the outcome can work out for you. It might not work out for you. But the true success lies in the fact that you took action and you gave yourself permission to take that risk. So the author says, again, you know, we live in a society that celebrates success and undervalues anything perceived as less than. That's a shame, Gaskell says, because failure is an opportunity to learn and grow. Quote, the human brain does not learn much from success. The human brain learns from failure, says Dr. Holicky. If we do something that doesn't work, our brain will assess what we did wrong and how we can do it better. That failure allows us to grow in maturity, in athletic ability, in love, in every aspect of our lives, end quote. As a coach and a dad, Dr. Holicky helps people bypass the fear of failure by reconsidering their goals. Quote, when I'm encouraging people to do something new or different, Often the end goal isn't the whole goal. The idea is that what you're doing is a point on a path of where you ultimately want to be, which is always much bigger than the individual moment of failure, right? The success lies in taking action. Running a 5K or moving to a new town may be the specific goal, but the larger goal might be to broaden your horizons and build confidence. And when you expand the scope, suddenly one goal becomes a step towards the bigger, broader goal. Such a reframe often helps people lower their perception of risk to a more approachable level. Quote, one of the ways to encourage risk is to sit down and have a logical conversation about what the worst case scenario will be, Dr. Holicky explains. How would that make you feel and how will it affect your life? Is it a failure in your eyes or a failure in everyone else's eyes? Can you let this moment move you towards a broader goal? Right? That's the thing. So you got to understand how do you measure risk? So, the author says, our own unique emotional landscapes can provide intuitive clues for risk assessment, but this introspective process may feel nebulous, at least at first. The U.S. Air Force, NASA, and the U.S. Department of Defense use many tools to assess risk, including severity, probability, and exposure. Risk assessment matrix um, help them to make these uh, decisions. Johan Albrechtsen is a field scientist who uses the tool daily in her work at Denali National Park and Preserve, where she spends frigid winters with a team of scientists and sled dogs. The team operates in vast, barely accessible areas and temperatures as low as minus 45 degrees Fahrenheit with limited sunlight. The SPE matrix, as we talked about before, right, uh, is used to help them determine their risk. Okay, uh, She says, you know, uh, if, if they need to cross a frozen river where she could break through ice, the severity of that risk, according to the matrix, might be catastrophic. The probability might be rare, and the exposure might be above average. The formula's result of 15 uh, in their risk matrix means the risk is acceptable and one she could take. The formula, they say, is applicable on a range of scales. For example, you might be considering signing up for your first open water swimming race. While you may initially be nervous, the risk assessment may help you feel more confident. So using this tool called the SPE, and you can look it up online, SPE risk matrix, okay, can understand how you relate to risk. Do you tend to catastrophize about situations that are likely safe? Or do you overlook some of the risks and agree to the situations that are actually dangerous? Try recalling a few risks you faced in your life and whether you decided to go through with them or step back. Then use this SPE risk matrix tool to see where you land. Again, you can find that online, SPE risk matrix, okay? The results may offer opportunity to calibrate your approach to risk. 
The author says, risk assessment is not always a yes or no, all or nothing situation. We're all often, you know, led to let external voices and pressures cloud our judgment. To some degree, the pressure I perceived from my peers, the author says, influenced how and when I took risks when racing my bike. And if you've learned that specific risks are the ones you should take, and if you don't, you'll not be loved or successful or good enough, then you might push yourself to take those risks, even if you're getting some intuitive hit that they aren't safe, explains the author. That's not to say other people's opinions aren't valuable. They just don't need to hold more weight than your own. I couldn't agree more. External voices can nudge us into an unsafe or unreasonable situation. They can also force us to play it too safe and miss out on the benefits of pushing the limits. In recalibrating our relationship to risk, this question might be helpful. Is the decision mine? Differentiating between external opinions or forces and your own internal voices can help build confidence around a decision. As Brene Brown says in Daring Greatly, there's no equation where taking risks, braving uncertainty, and opening ourselves up to emotional exposure equals weakness. The author says, as for me, I returned to cycling nine months after my injury, and I still race today. Sometimes I choose to jump off my bike and jump off a cliff. Sometimes I don't. Risk, I've learned, is about more than making the leap, and it's about more than taking the dare, despite my fear or better judgment. What's changed for me is that I've come to a new understanding around how I make decisions. As much of the fearlessness I once embraced is no longer worth the risk. It can be brave to jump off a cliff, and it can be just as brave not to jump off that cliff. And that's what I'm going to encourage you to do. You know, when we talk about measuring risk, yeah, you can use this matrix that you can find online. But, you know, kind of ask yourself, whose voice am I listening to? And ultimately, do the potential rewards outweigh the, outweigh the risks? And one of the things I always remind myself of, and I coach my clients and patients with, is to look at the worst case scenario. Because people do have a tendency to catastrophize when they think. They always think, oh my God, what if... You know, I invest in this business and I go bankrupt and I lose my house and I get divorced. Here's the thing. Worst case scenario is so remote, it almost never happens. And the truth is, if it does happen, you're going to find your way out of it. But you've probably accumulated so much life experience up to this point that the reality of the worst case scenario happening is, is, is so far remote that it's crazy. So, But I do invite you to ask yourself, what's the worst that can happen? and then lay it out. Ask yourself, how realistic is it is? Is it? Lay it out. And then say, you know what? Maybe I should just go ahead and take this risk. Um, I, I, I recall um, several years ago, I was deciding whether or not to invest in a winery in California. And I asked one of the other investors, what's been the biggest payoff for you? And he's like, you know, at the time, it certainly wasn't the profit because the winery was losing money at the time. He said, it's the adventure. It's the adventure, the excitement, and the friendships that I've experienced as a result of investing in that winery. So I went ahead and took the risk. I took the risk, and I will tell you, it's been one of the best adventures. I took a risk expanding into this integrative practice, and it's been the most rewarding adventure of my life. And there's been ups and downs, but I'm going to encourage you to take risks as well. Thanks for tuning in.